Amen. Thank you. Go ahead and be seated. Go ahead and be seated. We had a fantastic all-church retreat this last week, and uh, out in Warrensburg with about I people. So I think there was about 800 people total between all the different churches, and uh, we probably brought about 200 of those. And you know, that's probably uh, you know 30 percent maybe of uh, uh, the adults, uh, let's say, of uh, what we would like to have seen come out. And I hope that you'll commit this week to make sure that you go next year. Uh, and in order to help you do that, one of the main speakers at that retreat, the morning speaker, was Pastor Joe McCaig. And he spoke on the strength of humility. And today, we get the finale to what he did at retreat. So what I want you to do is this. I want to make sure you take some pictures. I want to make sure you, you share, like, tag, and make everyone else jealous. We have Pastor Joe McCaig from Decatur Baptist Church, Decatur, Decatur, Alabama. Joe, come on up. And now I'm going to say, I'm going to say, you can take your full 30 minutes, and that, you know I may put us about 10 minutes over, but that's fine because uh, it's that good. Love you. Thank you. Love you, brother. Well, it's awesome to be here, and uh, I will echo. Uh, Pastor Allen's sentiments about uh, all church retreat. I think it's an awesome thing and a privilege for us to get to be there uh, this week and get to uh, hang out with you guys. It's always fun uh, to come and be encouraged by you and uh, spend some time with you. And it's especially uh, honoring to be here today with, uh, with the baptisms. Uh, that's awesome uh, to see that and with Josh and Hillary and that commissioning that just took place here. What a wonderful, wonderful thing. And uh, certainly, I, I'm grateful that somebody left a prayer card on the, the podium. I'm going to take that one. I hope that's okay. Uh, certainly be praying for you guys. I look forward to what God's going to do in your life. We're glad to be here. We're, we're excited about what God's doing. What I thought I would do today, uh, we have been out at All Church Retreat. Now, some of you were there and some of you weren't able to be there, but just take uh, this time and sort of tie that all up and put a bow on it. And uh, the best way to do that, obviously, is from God's Word and how, how the guy, the author, the, the Holy Spirit of God did that. Uh, so if you want to look at First uh, Peter chapter 5, uh, we're going to just spend a few minutes together uh, looking at what uh, God gave him. He, he, Peter is, is nearing the end of his life. Uh, he's been uh, obviously a guy that uh, has been used of the Lord, uh, but, but like all of us, he was human, uh, and he had, he had an issue or two. Uh, maybe you would remember reading in the Gospels uh, about Peter's life, and he's that guy who was always you know, opening his mouth and inserting his foot, and uh, he's a little outspoken. Uh, all of the disciples, you know, probably uh, had shortcomings and, and maybe thought some things, but Peter's the guy who just went ahead and said it, all right? Uh, you ever had a friend like that? You know, you thought he was a fool, but then he opened his mouth and removed all doubt, uh, right? Uh, I, actually, I've, I've not had friends like that. I've been the friend like that. I've done that a few times. Uh, but Peter's that guy, and so he's this boisterous, self-reliant, self-dependent uh, guy, and uh, he comes to the end of his life... And God uses him to write this, what I, I would call a handbook on humility. I think the whole of the letter uh, is about humility, and he lays out these principles that are, are incredibly valuable. And, you know, that's, that's the way last words work. When you, when you have the opportunity to speak last words to somebody, uh, you usually measure every word. And he's thinking this is his last time to communicate. And uh, he obviously gets a chance to write another letter, but he's thinking that this is going to be it. And so he... He, he writes down these very important things, and, and they center around humility. He's, he's hit a lot of topics. He's talked about 
holiness and he's talked about the hope that we have in Christ and our obedience to him and our submission to him and the way that we serve him. But, but ultimately, it really is just a, a handbook on humility. And, and is it, isn't it amazing? Don't you just love how God does that? Right? Uh, he takes a guy like Peter, uh, who, who maybe when you're reading the Gospels, you would, you would call him Peter the Proud. Uh, but, but at the end of his life, God has so transformed him that now he's the ideal candidate to write a book, a handbook on humility. Uh, that's the transforming power of the grace of God. Uh, it's wonderful that he does that and that God is capable of doing that and that he will do that not only for Peter, but he does that in our lives as well. Uh, if we're willing to submit to him. Uh, and that's ultimately what it comes to. We just sang that song, Grace, Grace, God's grace. It's greater than all of my sin. Uh, and my sin's pretty great, so I'm, I'm grateful for that today. And he tells us in this text how to access that grace. The way to access it is, is by humbling ourselves and submitting ourselves to him, recognizing our need of him. And so let's just take a few minutes together and, and consider what he says here as he sort of summarizes all of the letter. He, he gives just some last final instructions. And so coming off of all church retreat, uh, these are the, the last minute instructions uh, and how that we could live our lives going forward. First Peter chapter five, we'll pick it up in verse number five. Uh, he says, likewise, ye younger submit yourselves unto the elder. And he's just given the instructions in the first four verses to the elder. We just, we just heard a wonderful description of that right here in, in the passing of that staff. What a, a, an amazing thing. And the way I understood that was that's been his staff and he's passing it off. What a, an incredible thing that has just happened in front of us uh, to see uh, the, the symbolism and the beauty of that and, and the recognition that, that, that as an elder, as a mature believer, certainly as a pastor, as a, a chaplain, we have the responsibility to feed the flock, right? Uh, to lead the flock, to take the oversight thereof, to be there, to, to be an example to those around us, not by constraint, right? But willingly, not, not for filthy lucre, not because of what we get paid for it, but with a ready mind. Where the, they, the mature are to lead, but, but the rest of us are to follow. We have a responsibility to follow, to submit. And that's what he's saying. Submit yourselves unto the, the elder. Yea, all ye be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. Catch this. For God resisteth the proud and he giveth grace unto the humble. Uh, what an amazing statement that, that last statement is. He's, he's given us the reasoning behind submission. God resists the proud, but he gives grace unto the humble. So he says, younger, submit yourself. Follow leadership. A theologian, a leading theologian said, the primary cause for the moral decay in Western culture is the death of authority. Now, now listen to that. The primary cause for the moral decay in Western culture is the death of authority. We, we have a hard time submitting to authority. We have a hard time following leadership. Uh, and, and, and what Peter is encouraging us is, is that we, we would submit to authority, that we would follow leadership. Uh, the, the children of Israel certainly struggled, struggled with that. When you read the book of Judges, Judges chapter 17, it, it mentions that every man did that which was right in their own eyes. And so this phrase is repeated over and over in Judges, and it's just sort of a summary of the moral decay among the nation of Israel. God has incredibly blessed them, right? I mean, he's been so good to them. He brought them through this. He, he brings them out of Egypt, right, with the shedding of the blood of a lamb. He, he leads them through the wilderness with Moses. He, he takes them into the promised land. He, 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 he drives out the inhabitants of the promised land. He, he allows them to, to come and, and, and reside there and, and puts his blessing upon them. But, but ultimately what's happened is they've forgotten. 
They've forgotten what God did for them. They've, they've forgotten who the blesser is. They, they love the blessing, but they forgot the blesser. Man, I, I feel like our country's kind of slipped into that, don't you? That we've forgotten where all of these blessings come from. We've forgotten that God is the source of all of these blessings. We've, we've become like the nation of Israel. We've, we seek His hand, but we, we failed to, to seek His face. We've, seek, we've failed to, to seek to know Him. We want His bless, blessings, but we, we don't want Him. And it just doesn't work that way. And, and that's what he's teaching us here. We, we failed to submit to authority. And, and because of that, uh, we failed to see his blessings. You know, I, we live in a, a DIY culture, right? <laughs> right? Anybody else like me? You know, you think you can figure out how to do anything on YouTube, right? And, and I'm, I'm a little bit of a miser, so I like to save money. And uh, so, you know, I, I, I'm not going to pay that guy to change my brakes. You know, I, just recently my son... Uh, he's 27 years old. He should know how to change his own brakes, but he doesn't. Uh, to my shame. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to change them. He, this guy wanted a ton of money to pay. I, I can do that. I can change the brakes. I know. Okay. My effort to save money cost me a fortune. Right? <laughs> because I have to go find somebody now to fix my mistakes, to correct all the things that I messed up, and then do the job. Right? But that, that, that creeps over into Christianity, and especially in the, the present distress. Right? We, we've been through a... A pretty rough, I don't know if you've heard, there's been this worldwide pandemic. Uh, and, and it's been pretty rough on us. It's, it's been a tough 18 months, hasn't it? Uh, and, and, you know, in the midst of all of this, it, it seems like, you know, there's some who want a DIY church. You know, we're going to do it ourselves. I can do it on my own. I can make it on my own. I can, I can just, you know, I, 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 I can watch a video and, and that'll be enough. You know, I can sit on my couch. It's kind of nice to go to church in my pajamas. Uh, I can have breakfast at the same time. And, 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 and while a lot of that has been necessary, I understand there's things that we've had to do uh, just to protect ourselves and our physical health. And I appreciate all of that and, and understand the necessity of all of that. Uh, the only thing I'm saying is this. We can't lose sight of the fact that we need each other. Right? We need each other. We need relationships. Church isn't entertainment. Church isn't instruction. Church is, is a body. We're the body of Christ. And we're all dependent upon one another. And that's what he says here. All of you be subject one to another. We're, we're all to be subject to each other. Certainly to, to those who are in leadership, those who are more spiritually mature, those who are called to be pastors. We're to, we're to follow their leadership, but it's, but it's, but it's broader than that. It's, it's not just follow the leaders, but, but let's all be subject to each other. Let's recognize that we all depend upon each other. I, I'm no good on my own. I, I need you. I, I need this relationship. It's one of the reasons I love to come out here and, and just hang out with you guys. Uh, because it so encourages me. It encourages me to come and to, to hear and to see your face. To, to recognize and see that, that you're still true to the word of God. And we're still discipling people. And we're still sending people out to the world to do missions. We're, we're training people up and sending them out. Because there's a, there's a, there's a mission that's bigger than me. It encourages me and, and reminds me how desperately we need each other. We are the body of Christ. And we're members in particular. And we all have a specific role to play. And, and we play that role, but, but we need each other. One member of the body is not, not of much use if it doesn't have the other members of the body. Uh, and so we need to come together and we need to, to submit to one another. And, and he encourages us that the way to do that is to be clothed with humility. To be clothed, to, to put on humility, to humble ourselves. You know, and 
And I think today in our culture and our society, uh, humility gets a bad rap. Uh, we, we, we probably misdefine it. We, we typically think of someone who's humble in a, uh, in a negative way. We, we see it as weakness. We see it uh, as someone who maybe uh, doesn't have a lot on the ball. Uh, but, but the biblical definition of humility is different than that. And actually, I, I would argue that biblical humility is strength. There is strength in humility because humility is not me depending upon myself. That's pride. Pride is when I'm trusting in me, when I trust in my resources, when I trust in my ability and, and I can do this. That's, that's what happened to Peter, right? When they're in the upper room, right? And, and Jesus says, hey, somebody here is going to deny me, right? And, and, and Peter says, not me, Lord. Hey, hey the rest of these chuckleheads, one of those guys might deny you, but it won't be me, right? And the Lord says, oh, no, it's going to happen. And Peter says, listen, I'll die first. And Jesus says, well, listen, before the cock grows, you will have denied me three times. Now, Peter is proud because he's saying, I, I'll never do that. I trust in myself. I would never do that. And, and what he said he would never do, he walked right out and did. Because he's proud. He's, he's not trusting in the strength of God. He's trusting in his own strength. And what God's saying to us is, be clothed with humility. Find your strength in Christ. Have your confidence in Him. Your dependence is upon Him. And when my dependence is upon Him, then, then I experience ultimate strength. And really, it's ultimate confidence. Because I know that my identity, I am secure in Christ. I'm secure in who I am in Him. And therefore, I don't even have to defend myself. I don't have to stand up for my rights. I don't have to, to argue or debate. I know who I am in Christ. I am confident and who I am in Him. And certainly, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ is a wonderful example to, to be clothed in humility, right? Philippians chapter 2, Paul tells us that we should have the same mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, he thought it not robbery to be equal with God. The reason he didn't think it robbery to be equal with God, he wasn't taking something that didn't belong to him. He is God. Amen? Jesus Christ is God. He's God who, who, who just as he describes here, he made himself of no reputation. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in the fashion of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. He, he came, God clothed himself in humility. He, he came and he made himself of no reputation. Kind of tells you God's, God's perspective on man. Not low reputation. He said no reputation. He takes upon him the form of a servant. And he humbles himself and he comes obedient unto death. I'm sure, I'm sure Peter is thinking back and, and remembering his denial of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he was, he was taught a powerful lesson in that experience. He, he, I'm sure that he realized he couldn't count on himself. He couldn't trust in his own strength. That he needed God's strength in his life. I'm sure he remembers the experience that he had with the Lord Jesus Christ in the upper room. Remember when they gathered just before Jesus is about to go be crucified. He's about to be, he's about to be denied. He's about to be rejected. He's about to die for their sins. And they've gathered together to take that last supper together. And 
Nobody's washed anybody's feet. Nobody's willing to wash anybody's feet because they're all so proud of themselves. You know, if you read the, the context leading up to it, they, they were debating over who would be the greatest. Who is it that gets up and, and takes the towel and girds himself and begins to wash the, the feet of the disciples? It's the one who's greatest among them. The Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is truly the greatest. He, he gets up and he washes the feet of the disciples. And the way that he's able to do that is because he knew who he was. The Bible even tells us in that text that he knew who he was. He knew who he had come from. He knew where he was going. He knew that God had given all things into his hands. He had complete confidence in who he was in God. And therefore, he was free to serve others. That's where we all need to be. That's where he's calling us to get to, to where we have this freedom to minister and care and, and put others above ourselves. Rather than looking out for myself, I'm looking out for you. And you know, you might say, well, then, then what happens to me? Well, if we're all looking out for each other and, and you're more important to me than I am to me, and I'm more important to you than, than you are to you, then, then we're all going to get taken care of. We're going to submit to one another and serve one another and minister to one another. And we're ultimately going to be the body of Christ. The, the, the phrase that he gives there, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. If you needed motivation today to live a life of submission and humility, that ought to do it, right? Amen. I don't know about you. Life's, life's tough enough. Life's tough enough. I, I don't want to try to do it on my own. I, I want God on my side. I, and I certainly don't want God resisting me. I, I, I want God working with me. I want God's unmerited favor. I want his grace to be active in my life. And he says the way that I access that grace it's the, same way that, it's the same way that you were saved. If you're here today and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've been born again, you, you access the grace of God for salvation by humbling yourself. These, these folks who were just baptized this morning, they accessed the grace of God, not here in the baptismal waters, by, by, by humbling themselves and acknowledging, I can't do this on my own. I can't make this happen. I need God. I need your forgiveness. I need your payment for my sin. And when we humble ourselves, we, we access the grace of God. God gives us grace, saving grace, but also sustaining grace to live our lives. It's a reality. Amen? I'm grateful for it this morning, and, and I encourage us all to live at that place. I, I, I told the folks at it, All Church Retreat, God's been dealing with me about this all year. It's just been the theme of my life. I had some people question it, even being the theme of what I would speak about at all church retreat. Well, it's been the theme of my life this year, right? God's been working me over with this whole thing of humility and, it, and, and, and the manifestations of pride in my own life. Uh, and they are certainly there. Uh, and he's continuously refining me and correcting me and reproving me and, and, and working at those things. And one of the, the first things God showed me is in First Kings, and you'll be familiar with the story, most of you, the King, King Ahab and and we, we know his reputation. His wife was Jezebel. And uh, wow, you know, that's, that, that was a, a power couple, but in the wrong direction, right? Uh, those guys were rebellious against God. And uh, in fact, the, the, the Bible says there in 1 Kings 21 that Ahab did more to sell himself to do wickedness in the sight of God than any other king. I mean, this is a wicked dude. He's just taken, you know, Naboth's uh, vineyard. You know, he wanted it. And, you know, just, it's just a crazy story. He goes home whining to his wife about why he can't have it. You know, what a, anyway, what a, you know. I don't want to say that. Uh, and, uh, and Jezebel comes up with a plan, and so they end up, you know, they kill Naboth just so they can take his vineyard, so they can take his possession. 
And, and that just incensed God. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like that's, that's the straw that broke the camel's back. I am sick of you, Ahab. He sends Elijah down. Elijah tells Ahab, God's sick of you. He, he's he's going he's gonna, to uh, wipe you out. He's done. And, and listen to what the Bible says. That Ahab heard those words. He, he heard those words. He rent his clothes. He put on sackcloth. He fasted, he, he lay in sackcloth, and he went softly. And, and all of those things are just biblical ways of describing somebody humbling themselves. And this wicked, wicked dude who had done things that, that are unconscionable to all of us and to God as well, he humbles himself, and what does God do? God gives him grace. He, he responds. It's amazing to me. It was the first thing that struck me. You know, I, 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 I'll be honest with you. In my life, I haven't put an incredible value on humility. But as God's walking me through his word, and then I, this is just the first time, and I begin to see it repeated over and over again in the Old Testament, where, where a person would humble themselves before God. And, and they didn't deserve grace, but God gave them grace. And just the emphasis that he puts on humility and the value that God places on it and how he responds to it. And, and when he sends Elijah, it's, it's almost what he says to Elijah. Hey, Elijah, do you see how Ahab humbled himself? God, you know, Elijah, the prophet of God, who God used to do all these incredible miracles. God says, hey, let me, let me teach you a lesson, Elijah, through the life of this wicked king. You see how he humbled himself? That's how you ought to humble yourself. You, you ought to be like Ahab. He had never thought God would have said that, right? But in this instance, that's what he does. God values humility. He says, we're to, to, to put on humility. He resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, humble thyself, yourselves therefore into the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. It's not just humbling ourselves to those who lead us and to one another, but ultimately humility is about humbling ourselves to God. You you. There is no success without submission. I believe that's a reality. And, and you, can't humble, you can't submit yourself to God. You can't humble yourself before God without humbling and submitting yourself to the authorities around you because God's the one who instructs us to do that. So ultimately what I'm doing, the ultimate thing is I'm, I'm submitting myself under the mighty hand of God. I'm submitting myself to God. I, I don't submit to those in authority over me because I trust them. I, I submit to them because I trust God. Does that make sense? I, I've encouraged, I, I was a pastor, a student of pastors for about 15 years. Student, a pastor of students. Did I say that right? I don't think I did. I pastored students for about 15 years. High school, middle school students. Uh, Educator Baptist Church. Uh, and, uh, you know, and oftentimes we would have kids come from uh, homes that the parents didn't attend church. Uh, and, and, you know, there's a lot of questions then that come up about what should this child do and how should they do things and should they be baptized? And I always encourage kids, hey, just go back and talk to your mom and dad. Well, they're not believers. That's okay. Talk to your mom and dad anyway. Submit to your parents. And, and if they say no, then, then we'll wait. God understands that. And we'll wait on that. And, uh, and you know what? You know what I found out? It's amazing. God can take care of parents. He can take care of parents. He can change their minds. I can't change their minds. But I have a God who can. 
I, I can't change the mind of those in authority over me. When I, when I, God began to move in my life years ago, and, uh, and, and you'd think I'd have learned this lesson then, God's still having to teach it to me, but uh, I, was, I was looking for a place that God would have me to go and minister, and I knew God was calling me to, to take on the lead role of the church. And I, I went to my pastor, and I said to him, I submit to you, I don't want to leave here. I don't want to go out. I want to be sent out. And I submit to your authority, and you have veto power over whatever I would do. And and the reason I did that is because I believe with all of my heart, I can trust God. He can handle the authorities in my life. I don't have to fight against them. He can handle them. And and he can handle them so much better than I can, right? And he's my father. He notice the last phrase of of the sentence. It's a new verse, verse seven, but it but it's the same sentence, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I've been guilty of using that in the wrong context, just pulling it out of the context that it's in. But it's in the context of me humbling myself to the authorities in my life and humbling myself before God, casting all of my care upon him because he cares for me. I can give him everything. Even even in those times where I feel like I've been violated. You ever felt like that? I mean, you ever get to the place that you just feel like you've been disrespected and, man, people have walked all over you and you have just had all you can take. I can give him that. I can cast that care on him because he cares for me and let him handle it. I don't have to handle it. He says, vengeance is mine. I will repay. You know, my, my, my superior in my employment might not be treating me right. I might not be getting paid what's fair. But you know what? I don't work for him anyway. I work for God. And you know what? He's going to settle all the scores. He'll take care of it. He can handle it. I, I know that's kind of where the rubber meets the road. That's got down to a serious point for us to, to act like that. But I believe that's what we're called to do. And, and particularly here in this 21st century when, when everything is upside down. You know, I'm so grateful. Yeah, I, I grew up. With a dad who was a, who was a pretty austere person, uh, he was in charge all the time, uh, you know. And so uh, th- th- there's some uh, maybe some negatives to that, but there's a lot of positives too. Because anytime I was anywhere in anything that was going on, if my dad was there, I'm good. I'm good. He'll handle it. Whatever comes up, he can handle it. He'll have the answer. He'll have the solution. I don't really even know what else is going on, but he's got it. I trust him. It's wonderful to have a dad like that. But you know, as wonderful as my dad was, he, he couldn't handle everything. He, he didn't know every answer. And the reality was he wasn't always with me. In fact, today he's in heaven. But I have a heavenly father. And you know what? He's always with me. He's promised he would never leave me nor forsake me. And you know what? I, I, I could call my earthly father and have a question for him and my dad, but say, you know, I don't, I don't really know about that. I don't really understand that thing. I, I, don't know what, I don't know the answer to that question. But you know what? I have a heavenly father that knows the answer to every question. He has all wisdom. I can count on him. Uh, and, and, and not only does he have all wisdom, but he has power to handle every situation. There's nothing that's ever going to come in my life that he can't handle. And, and I can live my life full of faith, trusting Him, and, and living a life of humility and submission, believing that He's got me in the palm of His hand. There's nothing 
There's nothing that's going to come to me that he can't handle. And, he, and it's not only that he can handle it, but he says, if I'll do that, today I might be being humbled and, and pressed down. But he says, there's coming a day. I'll exalt you. If you humble yourself today, I'll exalt you in due season. Uh, there's coming a time in your life where, where I will lift you up. And I, I know that sounds, you know, it, Matthew 20, 23 says, Whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. That's, that sounds oxymoronic to us, doesn't it? He, he says if you, if you want to go up, the way up is down. And the way down is to, to lift yourself up. We, that's the whole thing of our thoughts are not his thoughts. Our ways are not his ways. We, but, but his ways are above our ways. We, we kind of want to operate in our own wisdom. But what God's encouraging us to do is to, to humble ourselves. And he says if we'll humble ourselves, he will exalt us in due season. And, and the scriptures, we can go to the word of God and we can be full of faith believing that because we've watched God do that time and time and time and time and time again. There is example after example of God allowing someone to humble themselves. Joseph, he humbled himself before the Lord. God gives us this incredible dream. He, he tells his, his family about it, and that didn't go so well. He ends up a slave and ultimately in prison. But, but, but at the end, what happens? In due time, what happened? God exalted him. And, he, and he's over the whole world. David, the same story. Jesus Christ, we just read about in Philippians 2, he humbled himself and he goes on to say, Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him a name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. He says he'll do the same thing for us. If we will be willing to trust him and be full of faith, he says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. All your cares. He, he didn't say most, some, the big ones, all of them. He'll take it all. Cast the ones from the past, right? There's a lot of us who struggle with things from the past. We look back over our lives and there's things that have happened in our lives, things that we have done in our lives, and, and they keep just ringing in our heads. He said, just cast that on me. Maybe there's things that have happened to us and things that have done to us. You know, maybe there, there's a, parent, a parental relationship that's jacked up and, 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 and that's still... Rides on you, he says, just cast that on me. Just, just give that to me. Cast all your cares upon me. Because I care for you. He, he says it in the context of submission. And even the cares where I do feel like I've not been treated right. I, I, I've been disrespected. I, I've had all I can take. He says, just give me that. Put that on me. Cast it on me because I care about you. I care about you. He says in these final instructions that we should submit ourselves to one another, that we should humble ourselves before God. And, and again, in the, in the context, very familiar passage of Scripture, just a, a couple of real quick things. He says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. In the context of, of humility and submission, he, he tells us that, that there's this spiritual warfare, and it's important that we know that we are in a fight. And that we have an enemy that, that, that's out to destroy us. That, that we would recognize the tactics of the enemy. He goes about how? As a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You know how a lion works? The, the way that a, a lion works to devour his prey, his first move is to separate them from the herd. 
If he can get, if he, I, I've got a video, I thought about bringing it, but it's, it's not for the, the sensitive. Uh, from a safari in Africa, this little warthog, you know, they're so ugly, they're cute. Uh, and he's just running along, just the cutest little warthog. He doesn't have a care in the world. He's just trotting along. But he's, but he's gotten separated from the rest. And man, uh, it didn't go well. Uh, he got devoured. Bam! <laughs> Never saw it coming. You know, that's what happens to us in church. We have an enemy that, like a roaring lion, he's seeking whom he may devour. And the way he's going to get you is he gets you separated from the herd. If he can get you outside of this body, if he can get you away from this church, if he can divide you, there's nothing more divisive than pride. You know, I got my feelings hurt. Somebody didn't say something. Somebody did say something. Somebody didn't, whatever, you know. We get our feelings hurt. We get all up in our pride. We get separated from the body. And then, then, then and here comes the lion. And he devours us and he destroys us. Don't let that happen to you. Be sober. Think seriously about it. Lay your preferences aside. Humble yourself. Be submissive to God. Be steadfast. And, and that's the formula for humility is to, to, to stay in the body and stay with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't get separated and be steadfast. Verse 9 says, in the faith, keep the word of God as the priority in your life. And the end of it, he gives us this. And this is the conclusion of the whole thing. What, what Peter says, it's, it's the conclusion of this whole handbook on humility. But the God of all grace, who hath called us into his eternal glory, it's verse 10, by Christ Jesus after they, you suffer a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Man, I don't... Do I need anything else? I mean, if he would, if he would make me perfect and establish and strengthen and settled, if he, he, he would mature me and give me stability and, and give me strength and, 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 and settle me, I think that's all I need. He says he will do that. Verse 11, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He'll do that, that my life might bring glory to God. And you know, the conclusion of the, the whole story for me this year and this whole thing of humility has just been two simple thoughts. And you pray for me that I'll live the rest of my life like this. I want to do everything I do in the power of God, realizing that I, do, I, can't. I can't. I can't do what I need to do for, to bring God glory. And I want to do everything I do for the glory of God. Not that it doesn't glorify me, but that it glorifies Him. That I would maximize the glory of God with my life. That one day I would stand before Him and He would be pleased. I know that's what you want too. I'm going to pray that for you. Would you pray that for me? Let's do that right now. Father, we love you. We're grateful today for this opportunity to be here. Thank you for all, all that we have experienced that is so incredible. Uh, these that have decided to follow you, this, this commissioning for Josh and Hillary, what a wonderful day. Thank you for Pastor Allen and, and this ministry. And Lord, I do pray right now that all of us, as we live here in these last moments of the last days, that we would live lives that would honor and glorify you, that we would do what we do in your strength and all for your glory. I pray in Christ's name. Amen.